Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thanks for tuning in to the 12th episode on July 28th, 2020. Let's discuss the oh-so-trendy Monstera. And this is just a reminder that you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, or YouTube at Houseplant Homebody. All the social media links can be found on houseplant-homebody.com as well. And don't forget to join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Let's dive in. Now, I know I've said this a lot on past podcasts, but the Monstera really is one of the most popular plants with some really rare and amazing cultivars. So let's dive into it a little bit and talk about the cultivars' names, where they come from, all that jazz. So the Monstera is the Latin name, but it is also commonly known as the Monstera. Most of the time, if someone was referring to this plant, they would call it a Monstera, but it also has a few more other names. Swiss cheese plant is another one because of all the holes in it. I've also heard of hurricane plant and fruit salad plant, and also splitly philodendron would be used as a common name. The botanical name ranges depending on the variety you're looking at, but Monstera deliciosa is one of the most popular ones because they have really large leaves. And Monstera deliciosa has other varieties as well, such as Albo variegata, which is, as you can guess, a white variegated variety. Those tend to be a little bit more expensive. There's also another one called Aurea variegata, which is another white, yellow, almost a paler green variegated one. And then there's also one that is very popular and very expensive right now called Thai Constellation. I've seen a lot of really big houseplant accounts on Instagram that are getting them now. In fact, there's a count called Varden Gardens. Maybe it's Varden Gardens with Keaton Verdin. He's a blogger and he does a lot of plants and photography and design and his Instagram page is just wonderful. And he just got a Thai constellation and it's huge and it's beautiful. Obviously, constellation systems have like the speckles of the stars and everything. So that's why it's called that. And it has the white variegation with white speckles all throughout the leaves. So that's a great Instagram account to follow. But that's one of the people that I have seen that has gotten it recently. I'm seeing them being sold at other places as well, upwards of three, $400. So the variegated varieties are pretty hefty in price too. I saw a few weeks ago, there's an Instagram account I also follow called Bros with Hose Plant Company. They're out of Florida and they had variegated Monstera selling for around $250. So that's kind of just the gist of if you're looking for something a little more rare, you're going to pay a higher price for it. But Monstera Deliciosa is still really popular and they are, when it comes to house plants, a little bit more expensive, typically because they're a little bit bigger. So uh, just a plain green Monstera Deliciosa, depending on how much variegation it has and what size you're getting it for, it can start at $20 for almost like no variegation, not a lot happening, maybe a six inch plant. And you can find, you know, big 10 inch plants for upwards of 
$80-$90 depending on where you're looking at it. When we were buying them for the garden center, I was able to get just the plain Monstera Deliciosa and another one called Monstera Adonsini. I could be butchering that, but the Adonsini is commonly known as Swiss cheese plant, at least from where I came from and where I worked, we called it that. So I will include all the other varieties and cultivars that I know of that I've done research on on my website, houseplant-homeway.com if you want to see them. And at least so you know the name, if you're trying to look them up or you're trying to find them, then they'll be there. So now let's dive into talking about the Monstera as if it were a landscape plant. So the Monstera originates from areas like Mexico, Guatemala, Panama, Costa Rica, hardiness zones of around 10 to 11, and they grow as small understory shrubs to begin with on the jungle floor, and they grow up the trees in rainforests, and they can vine to reach towards the light. So they can get upwards of 60 feet or so, and these leaves can get anywhere from three to four feet tall and wide. They get very, very big. The slits in the leaves are practical for this plant, so they help the plant withstand high winds, which is its own innovation, and apparently Elephant Ear didn't get that memo. <laughs> As I said earlier, this plant was called the fruit salad plant because the fruit, when it's fully ripe, can be eaten. The fruit on a monstera looks like basically a giant green corn cob. The fruit, when it's unripe, is poisonous and it can cause severe throat and skin irritation. Just so you're clear, you know when it's ripe, when those green scales on the outside of the fruit, they look like little green hexagons all over the fruit. When those fall off easily, that's when you know it's ripe. If it's hard to get those off, then it is not ripe. Typically, it can be eaten by itself or people also use it in a jam. It kind of has a combination of fruity tropical taste to it, obviously, since it's originated from places like Costa Rica and Panama and Mexico, it would have that taste. All of that being said about this fruit being edible, there are some parts of this fruit that can still cause irritation even when it's ripe. So make sure you're just double checking with someone that has used this fruit before and making sure that it's completely safe for you to eat. So there's these little black specks that are on the plant as well, and those can cause some irritation if you don't know what you're looking for. Just make sure you do your research or consult someone that has prepared the fruit before. And just so you know, as a houseplant, you're probably not going to see that fruit ever. It needs to be in its ideal location, having its ideal growth, getting its ideal size, and the right temperature and constant humidity, just like a flower on a monstera. They do flower. They have a calla looking flower, just like the Diffenbachia and the Peace Lily do, but inside monstera rarely flower or fruit. So you might not see them, but as a landscape plant, you'd probably see them in the jungles. Because this plant can get so big and it can become overwhelming, it's not really used residentially as a plant that people plant in their yards necessarily. It's known for being kind of native and in the jungle. So it's beautiful when you find it, when you're hiking through the jungle in the middle of Costa Rica and you see it climbing up a tree with these giant leaves, but more than likely you're not gonna find it as much on someone's property. Maybe as a house plant, they pulled it outside for decoration. So that's the information on Monstera as a landscape plant, and now we're going to dive into this plant as a house plant. So we're going to go over the sunlight requirements, watering, and fertilizing for Monstera. So the Monstera typically likes to be in bright, indirect light 
but it can handle a medium to low indirect light. So for example, I had mine in a north facing window and it kind of just didn't do much, didn't have a ton of new growth. And then I put it in an east facing window, kind of a southeast facing window, and it gets a lot more light and I've seen a lot more new leaves growing on it. So if you want your plant to continue growing and continue advancing in size, then I would definitely try to get it in an indirect bright light or a bright light in general. So my plant has direct sunlight only in the morning and then it's still bright light throughout the day. Everywhere I researched said that typically direct sunlight is not becoming for this plant. They might burn on the leaves if they have direct sunlight. Keeping it in an east facing window is honestly probably one of the best spots to put it in. So in the Healing Power of Plants book I have by Fran Bailey, she says these plants love to climb towards a light source. So ideally place beneath a skylight or in a stairwell. So if you're trying to get this plant to go really, really big and you want it to climb up the moss pole or the wood pole you have in your pot, which we'll talk about later, then putting it in a place like a skylight or a stairwell that has maybe a lot brighter light up the stairs or upstairs can allow that plant to go upwards faster. So that's the information on the sunlight. So moving on to watering. So the Monstera typically does not like to be too wet. You want to allow the soil to dry out between waterings. If the leaves are turning brown around the edges or the leaves are kind of wilting, it might mean you're underwatering it. If the leaves are turning yellow or you have black stems, that typically means you're overwatering it. So it's one of the few plants that actually tells you what's going on. So every time I've had an issue with it, typically the edges of the plant are brown. I've always done the underwatering rather than overwatering. To me, underwatering for some plants, take this with a grain of salt, people. Underwatering with plants like a succulent, you know, monstera, pothos, typically you can get away with it because they'll come back and bounce back from it. Now, keep in mind, plants like the angel vine can't come back from that, or at least rarely. Anyway, in this case, the brown edges or the leaves wilting, at least that will tell you it needs to be watered and it's being underwatered. You can adjust accordingly. Like most houseplants, you want to reduce the watering in winter. The plant isn't taking up as much water and it's not working as hard to produce the leaves and grow bigger. So it doesn't need the water or the nutrients. Since these plants are from Mexico, Panama, Costa Rica area, they like high humidity. Ideally, putting them on a tray of pebbles is probably the most common way that everybody says to do, or at least misting them, misting the base of the pot will be ideal. Now they can still thrive in less humidity as a houseplant. So if you don't miss them as much or you don't have a humidifier for them, they'll still do okay, but they'll just grow to their fullest potential if you're misting every few days or so or using the humidifier. So that is the watering information and let's move on to fertilizing. Again, like I've said before in all my other podcasts, I've always used a slow-release fertilizer. That might not be the most ideal thing to use on everything, but it seems to be working for me okay. But I found a couple other sources that have other ways to fertilize too if you're not comfortable with just doing the slow-release fertilizer a couple times a year, depending on obviously what slow-release fertilizer you're using. The Complete Houseplant Manual by Barbara Pleasant says... From spring to summer, feed every two weeks with a balanced houseplant fertilizer. In winter, feed monthly. Balanced houseplant fertilizer is basically like an all-purpose houseplant fertilizer. You can find it at any plant shop or almost any garden center you go to. And feeding every two weeks typically says that 
the balanced houseplant fertilizer isn't the slow release fertilizer like I use. It's one of those that needs to be applied every two weeks. It's either a liquid or a water soluble fertilizer, typically a liquid. That's a concentrate that you'd mix with water. So that's probably what they're talking about, or at least what I've seen with fertilizers that I've used at the garden center. Costa Farms says fertilize Monstera a few times in the spring and summer to keep it happiest, especially if the leaves start to look light green or pale around the veins. You can fertilize it more regularly, even weekly, if you want more growth. Either way, use a houseplant fertilizer and adhere to the directions on the product packaging. That's what Costa Farms says. So very similar to the complete houseplant survival manual. So again, my personal experience is I've always used a slow release fertilizer, but to get the biggest and best growth, throughout the season, you may want to turn to a regular houseplant fertilizer that's going to give it the nutrients constantly that it needs. Solaris fertilizer does do that, but it's just not as strong for its growing season, if that makes sense. If you have other advice or if you've had a practice you do that has worked really, really well for you, feel free to message me on my website, houseplant-homebody, and at the bottom there's a contact part of the page or feel free to dm me on facebook or instagram i would love to hear from you and share what you've done too okay we've gone over sun water and fertilizing now let's move on to propagation and all the other facts that i didn't include earlier Alrighty, so propagation i have found is very very easy these plants, just like on the prayer plant that I talked about in a previous podcast, has leaf nodes where it looks like a swollen part of the stem right where a leaf extrudes from it. If you cut just below that and stick it in water or stick it in soil and keep the soil really moist, it will root itself. I have two Monstera that are currently being rooted right now. I will put them on my Instagram feed so you guys can see them too. But they are doing amazing. The roots are huge. I'm just waiting a little bit longer to get a bigger root system established to actually plant it in soil. So that's really a good way to propagate. Every time I've looked online or in the books that I've used for my resources, it's the way that it's been said to use for propagating. I'm sure there's plenty of other ways that people have used too. And again, just like I said with the fertilizer, if you have any advice or something worked for you, let me know. Propagating is always fun to try, um, but this propagation is very similar to how you would propagate the prayer plant or the pothos or calathea. Super easy. I actually rooted, I call it the Swiss cheese plant. I understand Monstera in general is Swiss cheese plant, but the smaller Swiss cheese plant, Monstera adonsinii, which helped me. I think I still pronounce it wrong, but whatever. (laughs) That I propagated fairly easily. So I cut it below a neat leaf node and it started rooting within a week maybe, which is awesome. I have that as a new plant. It's very small. It only had two leaves, but I'm seeing if it will work. (laughs) So that's propagation information. So let's move on to some other facts that just weren't mentioned I talked about this plant, it fruits, and you can eat the fruit, but just make sure you're not consuming the leaves. They are poisonous to pets and humans, so just make sure you're keeping an eye on your kids and your pets or making sure you're placing them in an area they can't get to them. 
And I know I mentioned the size as a landscape plant earlier. They can get upwards of 60 feet, but they're not going to get exactly 60 feet in your house, but they do get really big. So make sure when you're getting a Monstera, you're ready for it to get really big. If you don't want it to get big, keep it in less light and you can cut the leaves off. Honestly, they're beautiful leaves. You can put them in a vase and put them as a centerpiece on your dining room table or next to your bedside table. They're really, really pretty spectacular leaves. Or you can even propagate them. Keep cutting off the leaf nodes, share the plant with your friends and see if they like it and if they have good luck with it. So if you want to keep it to a certain size, you can. You just have to keep cutting it back. Another fact about the Monstera, and maybe the people that have Monstera have seen this and are wondering what the heck is going on. I know I was wondering when I first saw them, but they produce what are called aerial roots, and it's a sign that your Monstera is actually healthy. So they use these roots to take up more moisture and stabilize themselves, and they use them to really climb up anything. So you can leave them if you want to. That would allow them to stabilize or soak up more moisture, or you can cut them off. It's not gonna hurt them by cutting them off. They'll just keep growing more. Or you can place some of them, especially that are near the base of the plant back in the soil. That will allow them to hold on to the soil and stabilize more. The complete houseplant survival manual suggests repotting this plant every spring to allow for more room for aerial roots, aerial roots to grow and for more space for this plant to grow. Again, if you want to keep it smaller, you don't need to repot it every spring. I've repotted mine once. I've had it for maybe three years and it's not huge, but I also didn't have it in the correct sunlight for like the last two years. So we're just seeing new growth from it. So I also mentioned a couple times now staking the Monstera and it's very necessary because this plant naturally vines and you want to make sure this plant can grab onto whatever it needs to instead of just falling over sideways. So when this plant is more mature, it's going to want to grab onto something and grow upwards. So I ran into that recently since I had this plant for three years, the first maybe year and a half, two years, it just kind of sat in its pot as a shrub, kind of like it does on the jungle floor just sits there but eventually when it gets more mature it wants to grab onto something it wants to keep growing upwards so I ran into a problem this year that the whole plant was just kind of like laying off of the side of the pot and the leaves were growing sideways because they were trying to like reach the sunlight. So I had to stake it and on Plantarina's YouTube channel, I watched a video of her staking some Monstera and she said to make sure using a cedar wood post because they won't rot or at least rot as fast as just normal wood would. Pun not intended, but good. So cedar wood posts, but I also know from experience that you can also use pressure treated wood that also works fine as long as the monstera has something to grab onto that works I've also seen a very, very big trend in using moss poles, which allows the roots to grab onto something and hold in moisture. And if you're spraying it, spritzing, watering it, then those roots have moisture as well. So that's a great option too. If you can't afford that, you can't get to it and there's leftover pressure treated wood from, you know, your fellow woodworking or carpenter friend, then definitely go for something like just the wood and see how it goes. I've only had the wood stake in my Monstera for maybe about two months now and I'm not seeing a ton of attachment. If in like a year I don't see a ton of progression, I might try to find the moss pole. There are also ways, I've found several ways online how to make your own moss pole just with like chicken wire or 
something like that. There are ways to do it. I just had wood conveniently in our wood shop here. <laughs> so that's some more information on staking it. Another thing that's good for just about every houseplant, almost every houseplant, is to prevent diseases or pests on the monstera and kind of for the overall health of the plant. Wiping down this plant's leaves is very important. So it allows the plant to take in the sunlight that it needs and it will help prevent aphids or all those pesty little bugs to stay out of the little nooks and crannies of the leaves. The one problem I've had with this plant, and I finally got rid of them this year, I put more effort into it this time, but I finally got rid of them was mealybugs. I used neem oil and I sprayed it on a cloth and I basically rubbed down every part of the monstera to get rid of those guys and I just did it consistently maybe every month and finally I got rid of them. Thank god. <laughs> so that's some information on propagation and other facts. So let's just recap everything we talked about. Okay, so the monstera as a landscape plant grows as a shrub in the understory and then vines up trees. It does flower, looks like a calla flower, and it does fruit, and the fruit is edible if it's ripe. So again, with fruit ripeness, make sure you're consulting the internet or someone that's prepared it before. So the sunlight for this plant is best in bright indirect light, but it can handle a medium to low indirect light. As long as it's not sitting in probably a west-facing window where it's getting the hot direct sunlight through the day, that would be best for it. When it comes to water requirements, just allow the soil to dry out between waterings. And if the edges of your plant are browning, that means it's underwatering. If your leaves are turning yellow, it means it's overwatering. And they do like a little bit of humidity if you can give it to them, but they can survive with less humidity if necessary. And again, just reduce the watering in winter, just like most of your houseplants. Proper fertilization depends on your own personal experience and what you really like, but a couple places have said to use a common houseplant balanced fertilizer to feed through the spring and the summer months. Typically based on the product, it's probably every two weeks or so. And then you feed, and then you can feed in the winter because they are producing new leaves, just just not as many and they're not putting as much effort into it so you can feed them a lot less like at least half of the time. I use the slow release fertilizer and you can do that too but giving them that extra boost in the growing seasons might be beneficial. Propagation is easy just cut right below a leaf node and put it in water or you can put it in soil just make sure you're keeping that soil moist while it's getting rooted. If you don't know what a leaf node is if you just type it in online, I guarantee it'll pop up with exactly where you're looking for. It's that swollen part of the stem that the leaf is extruding from. I also mentioned in the other facts that this plant's leaves are poisonous, so just keep it out of the reach of pets and kids. This monstera can get huge, so make sure you have enough room for it. If you want to see how big this plant could get, the account I mentioned earlier, I think it's Varden Gardens or Verdin Gardens with Keaton Varden or Verdin. Sorry if I'm butchering your name. He just got a Thai constellation plant and it's huge, gigantic. So check it out. If you don't want the plant to get huge, you can cut the leaves back. You can propagate them like I talked about earlier or just use the leaves in a centerpiece. Put it on your dining room table. They'll be beautiful. In this plant, 
likes to be staked once it's more mature. Its natural habit is to vine and grow upwards, so you can put it on a wood post. You could tie the branches to a wood post, or you could tie the branches to a moss pole, which is very popular and very common right now. And it's probably one of the best ways to do it, simply because it allows that moisture to get to the root system. Thanks for tuning into the 12th episode of Houseplant Homebody, all about the very trendy Monstera. And this is just a reminder that you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, or YouTube at Houseplant Homebody. All the social media links can be found on houseplant-homebody.com as well. And don't forget to join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Your support means everything, and I can't wait to continue bringing you guys more and more plant bios and info. Don't forget to check back every Tuesday for more podcasts. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Well, hello. I do not have bloopers this time. I'm sorry, guys. I'm getting too good at this where I can record and I only have like a couple mistakes where I just stop it before I stumble. So sorry about that. But I thought I'd take this time to tell you a little bit more about me and what's happening with me personally. My name is Holly Munchow. If you don't know that already, maybe you know my first name, but I am the creator of Houseplant Homebody and I am obsessed with houseplants, as you may have noticed, but I am a huge homebody, hence the name. I am totally cool with sitting at home watching Gilmore Girls or Friends or The Office all day. (laughs) Um, Or Harry Potter. I also love Harry Potter. I used to work at a garden center for six years and I got my college degree in landscape studies, but I actually now work for Kohl's Corporate in Menominee Falls and I really like it there. I'm learning a lot about the merchandising side of things, which is very interesting. And being the manager at the garden center, I found a lot of interest in that merchandising side and learning more about it. So I'm very excited about that. And let's see, what else about me? I have my own art business on the side on top of this called HJM Studios. I have an Etsy page and I have an Instagram and Facebook for that account as well. I've been focusing more on the houseplant homebody side, but I still love doing art and photography, so that's fun. I also co-founded a nonprofit with my twin sister Lindsay called Live Love Donate, and we advocate for organ tissue donation awareness. Long story short, my dad was a two-time kidney transplant recipient, and my mom actually donated to him many years ago. So that cause is near and dear to our heart. So we turned our college organization that we created into this nonprofit. So that's really exciting for us. I recently got engaged in September, which is very exciting. We've been, Peter and I, his name is Peter, Peter and I have been together for five and a half years. So that's really fun. Peter and I also have a dog named Bruno. He's a Border Collie mix. You might see him on the Houseplant Homebody story sometimes. Sometimes he's just too cute. He's got to pose with the plants. So that's a little bit about me. I would like to reiterate that I am so happy that I created Houseplant Homebody and I have found so many amazing people already just in the houseplant or plant community. It just makes my heart so happy and I've learned so much which was what I was afraid of if I left the garden center but I'm so happy that I decided to do this and I'm so excited to see where this goes and who else I meet and who else I can bring some 
fun content to, or they can bring fun content to me too. It's all about this community vibe with us. It's really, really fun. So thanks again, and thanks for staying till the end of the podcast. And since you're here still listening, I'll tell you what the next podcast is going to be. It's going to be about hibiscus. Typically at this point, I go into talking about a perennial, which I am, but I'm also going to include all the information on the perennial, the tropical, and the shrub hibiscus, which is technically called Rose of Sharon. So I'm going to dive into that next time. So again, thank you so much for listening and hanging on to the end of the podcast. Can't wait to hear from you guys soon, and I'll talk to you later.